Welcome to Demand and Disrupt the Disability Podcast. Here, we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocado Press based in Louisville, Kentucky. Hello, welcome to Demand and Disrupt, a disability podcast. I am your host, Kimberly Parsley, and I'm here with Lisa McKinley. Hey, Lisa, how are you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. You know, I don't know anything about today's interview because you did the interview and I'm excited to hear about it. So tell us, first of all, who we're going to be hearing from today. Today, we are speaking with Brandy LeMay. She is a special education advocate here in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and she can help families across the nation, actually. She goes in with families who might be having trouble around the the special education table. Um, you might be having problems feeling like you're being heard and your child is getting what they need with their uh, with their IEPs and with their education. And it, it was amazing and fascinating. And she is such a huge supporter of of children with special needs. And it's it's it was amazing to talk to her. She just is so uplifting. And I I think our listeners will really enjoy the podcast today. I can't wait to hear it. So tell me, did did you and uh, and your parents, did you have trouble when you were going into public school? You know, for the most part, everything went well. And for those who don't know, I did attend the blind school from first grade until my sophomore year. And even then, we, we still, even the students at the blind school would have the yearly IEP meeting because we were considered special education. So everything went well, until my eighth grade year, my eighth grade year, I decided that I wanted to transition and go back to public school as a freshman. So, of course, you have to start that process several months before. And somewhere in that process, I had had an eye surgery and I lost the remainder of my vision. So I was basically thrown into total blindness. And I'm a young teenager at the time. It, it That's a traumatic time in life anyway. And then I have this new thing to get used to. And I decided I just, I just want to remain at the blind school where I know everyone, where everything is comfortable. It, it would be too much of a transition now that I had lost my vision completely. But the thing was at our our school system back home, the public school I was going to transfer to, they had already hired someone to be my visual aid teacher. So they weren't going to just let me get off the hook. They're like, no, you have to come here. We hired these people. We hired this this person. And we the the two schools really were kind of feuding it out with each other. And we had to call in a mediator. I remember um, going to the conference room and sitting down with my teachers and being in conference with the people from my public school back home. And they were pleading their side of the case. And I remember having a teacher sit beside me and she was such a fierce advocate. I I was scared. I didn't want to go back to the school, but I knew with her sitting there beside me 
there was no way that come hell or high water they were not taking me out of the blind school that year and it w- it was because of that teacher I, her name was mrs johnson she was a wonderful woman and she she was my advocate and made it so that i didn't have to transition then i ultimately did go to public school my last two years but i was ready then but at that time i wasn't and and i guess that's why i have such a passion for for this topic and i just think it's so important that we can find advocates to help us and help our children get what they need that's true my situation was similar in that I also had uh, an advocate, but my sight loss went much, much more quickly. But yeah, my mom just, it's like I, I always had poor vision, but you know, I- enough so that I wasn't really considered visually impaired as long as I had corrective lenses until I didn't. And then I was, I mean, I lost my sight from, I think I had surgery and the, the surgery that caused all the trouble in January, my freshman year in high school. And then by March, I was completely blind. And my mom didn't know anything but to do but to go through the yellow pages back then because I'm old, y'all. And uh, she found the Department for the Blind was then. Now it's uh, part of uh, vocational rehabilitation. And she called and she got uh, Barbara Miller, who headed the Department for the Blind uh, here in Kentucky for a long time. And Barbara put mom in contact with Debbie Brizendine who was a counselor who in the department for the blind at the time. And I mean, Debbie came to the school and told them what they needed to do and what they had to do and helped me get everything I needed. Even though at that point, I don't, I wasn't actually a, a, a client of the department for the blind at that time, because I was, you know, still a minor, I was still young, but she, she was, she always went that extra mile you know, for her people. She, she always did. And I still have such respect for, for advocates like that, be it in education or in vocational rehabilitation, whatever form they take, we need those advocates, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am, I can't wait to hear this interview. So we are about to listen to Lisa's interview with Brandy LeMay. Hello, everyone. I am here today with Brandy LeMay. Brandy, how are you? I am good. How are you? I am good. Now, you are a special education advocate, correct? Correct. So, um, yes, that is exactly my title. And you are here to tell us a little bit more about your story and what you do and 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 your company. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited. So if you would, what what is what is the name of your company for our? Yeah. So um I started my company and it is called Lamazing Sped Advocacy. And that kind of has a little backstory to it, which is funny. Um, I was a teacher and so I taught for years and years, and my students um came up with the phrase Lamazing, which was better than amazing. It was Lamazing. Oh, I um, love that. <laughs> So it became part of who I was as a teacher all the way from like my um, 
I had a, a gifts given to me by kids. I had a door sign that a parent made me and it said Miss Lamazing on it. And so um, when I transitioned from the classroom to this, that was such a big part of my identity um, in, in education. And I wanted to pull that with me. And so um, Lamazing Spit Advocacy was born from my kids, from my students. Awesome. So firstly, what exactly entails special education? So special education is a section of school, right, where we have kids who need different supports. And what I love about special ed is that it it's anywhere and everything in between. Um, we have our GT kiddos, which is gifted and talented. They fall under the spectrum of sped, um, special education, all the way down to kids who have disabilities and are identified under IDEA who need extra supports in learning. And so it's, it's a whole gamut of teaching that is designed to help students meet their potential at where they are, wherever that is. Um, and so that's what we do. I think that's really important to clear up because, you know, when I was younger, I was under the impression, and I'm sure lots of people are as well, that special education only deals with maybe intellectual disabilities or, or those type of things, but that's yeah. not the case, right? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, that is a huge misunderstanding, a misconception. And so um, special education does, I mean, we do have kiddos that have intellectual disabilities, right? My daughter being one of them, I have a, I have a daughter who has Down syndrome. And so she gets special education, but special education goes all the way through our gifted and talented children, right? They learn differently than the, the, the typical child in the classroom. And so we have to support them as well, right? So they need more supports to learn to meet their potential. And, and just so do kids who have ADHD, you know, they don't have an intellectual disability. They, they, their, their disability involves a neurological aspect of, of their brain and how they process information. Right. And then we have kiddos who have disabilities with sight and with hearing, right. That doesn't have anything to do with um, necessarily how they can learn or how much they can learn, but just a different way of learning or the different things that they need to learn. And so special education runs all the way from one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, and we're just here to support kiddos so that they can meet their potential. Now, with your daughter having Down syndrome, do you think that helped you cross over? Is it, did that lead you into this profession? It did, actually. So she's kind of the big reason that I got here. And so I started teaching uh, I was kind of the weirdo that went to college and didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I got married and I, I always knew as a kid, I wanted to be a mom. Like that's what I knew I wanted to do. I always wanted to have kids. And so that's what I did. I got married and met the love of my life. And we have three beautiful daughters. And then our youngest daughter came into the world and we found out she had Down syndrome the day that she was born. And it, it just changed our lives as it changes a lot of parents' lives when you find out you have a child um, who has a disability. And so from that moment, um, for me, I'm a, I'm, I'm a go-getter. And so I was like, okay, what do I got to do? And I started reading and I started researching and I got her into therapies and I just did all the things right. That a mom needs to do to make sure that their child's supported. Translate that over. I did the same thing in the classroom, right? It's so important as I was, I was a general education teacher. And so that just means that I, I had a, a fifth grade classroom or a fourth grade classroom, right. And I had all the kids and I was so passionate about helping my um, my sped kids in my classroom because 
they deserved to be there just as much as my daughter deserved to be there. Right. And so I knew that I wanted to give them everything that I wanted my daughter to have. And so I went back to school later in life after I had my kids started teaching that kind of did that. And then I ran into problems with, with Addie and my daughter's name's Addie, um, Addie Ray. And I was struggling to work with the school system. I was struggling to work with her IEP team. I was struggling to work with just getting her the basic things that she needed to be successful in school. And it took two years of what I'll call, I mean, I was advocating, right? Two years of advocating myself uh, for my kiddo as a teacher. So I, I say that simply because as a teacher, I know that side of the table, right? I know the educational side. I know a lot of the requirements that some parents don't often know. And so I, I knew more than your average Joe and I still struggled. I could not seem to get them to listen to me as her parent. And so time went on and I kept fighting and I kept pushing and I kept advocating and I was getting nowhere to the point that I knew I couldn't do it alone. And so I reached out to an advocate myself and I was at the point that then where I didn't know what else to do. I was at my breaking point. I knew my kid needed something, needed more, needed help, or she was not going to be able to live on her own. She was not going to be able to read. She was not going to be able to do, you know, the things that I knew she could do. And um, my advocate came in and my whole world changed. She She was not just there for me during the meetings, but like I would call her when something would happen. I would be frustrated and I would be crying and, and I would, you know, true story. I was just so angry one night and I was like, I just, I just want to throw a brick through the window. Like I was just so mad. And she says to me, Brandy, orange is not your color and they don't serve wine in prison. And so (laughs) She, she became more to me than just my advocate. She was there for me emotionally. She was there for me at the meeting. She was my voice. You know, she listened and and she knew the laws and she knew, she knew so many things that I was like, how did I not know that? Like, why did I not know that? You know, um, even as a teacher, I was like, why did I not know this? Um, no, I assume you were kind of like, a sponge also kind of oh, soaking yes. everything up and all the things like I would I would ask her all the questions and all the things and she looked at me one day um we went to Frankfurt and we had a press conference in front of KDE and and advocated for special ed and we went to lunch after that and, and that's a that was such a great experience too but we went to lunch and she sat down with me and she said Brady you need to be an advocate and I was like come on. I am a teacher. I am not an advocate. Like I love math. Like I can't do this. And she's like, you're already doing it. You already know more than most people. And she said, we need advocates. We don't have them. They're not here. And so she planted that seed and little by little, I was like, you know what? I want to learn more so that I can help Addie. And so I took a class and I was like, Ooh, all this information. And then I took another class and then I just, it just kind of spiraled into this thing. And so a year later I had taken all of these courses and was ready, like, like 
equipped, I guess, to be an advocate. And I was still sitting there going, no, I'm just using it for me. And then I had a God moment where I just, my husband was like, yeah, you need to quit your job. And I was like, I can't quit my job. And he was like, yeah, you can. And so we went back and forth. And finally, one day I just was like, okay, this is it. I'm I'm done. And I left the classroom and just transitioned into this. And it was seamless. Like I have found so much joy. I think I, I find as much joy now as I think I felt when my advocate helped me. Right. So it was like just that joy as a parent of someone else helping me walk through it. I still get that joy when I'm helping others walk through it. So it's just been a huge blessing. Why don't you for a minute, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do as part of your advocacy? How is it that you help families? Just kind of walk us through that. So there are lots and lots of reasons that families reach out to advocates, but our biggest things that we do is we improve the effectiveness of your child's like educational team. And so sometimes that's just, you, you have to think about it. You have the parent, you have the, the IEP team at the school. The parent is part of the IEP team. Let me just say that. But you know, the school takes care of so much, the parent comes in and you've got two sides of that table, right? And sometimes, you know, we get tunnel vision from our own experiences, right? And so advocates can come in with a non-objective lens and really look through things and help that effectiveness of, hey guys, we're missing this, or we're not seeing this, or hey, when I read through this, I, I see this deficit, or I see this need, or I see whatever. And then you tend to get both sides going, oh, we didn't realize that, or, oh, we didn't see that, or, oh, that's a good idea. And so you just help to build that collaboration between both sides of the table. And so we we do that. Then we clarify expectations about public education. And so IDEA or the Individuals with Disabilities Act, right, um, Education Act, is all the law that in kind of encompasses special education and what the schools are required to do and what rights the parents have and the children have. And sometimes, you know, we as parents want the world for our children, right? We want everything under the sun. We want them to have all the things. And so sometimes as advocates, we have to go in and clarify, okay, this is what the expectation is of the school or, hey, school, this is the expectation we have for you. This is what you need to be doing or this is what doesn't need to be done. And so just kind of clearing that up between both sides. You know, we assist parents to improve their understanding of those educational rights. So parents who have children in special education, you are probably all familiar with the terms procedural safeguards because at any meeting they go in and they're like this big packet of papers and they're like, Hey, do you want an explanation? And parents are like, you've given me this packet every single time I've come, whatever, you know, kind of a thing, but those are huge. And so um, often we can kind of help their understanding of those. And we, we just help them to understand available options to educational services and supports. And so the, the IDEA also goes outside of just the school system, right? We have children who need supports for um, speech and, we, and, and physical therapy and occupational therapy and music therapy and counseling, mental health, ref, you know, things. And so all of those things are encompassed in the responsibilities of the school and and the responsibilities as the IEP team to get those services and supports in place for those children so that they can show up to school every single day and be the best version of themselves and get as much out of their education as possible. So 
say a child has been receiving services for a long time and they haven't had an advocate and, and the parents feel like the child's education needs aren't being met. So you can go through and read through past documents and, and look at the students' records up to that point and kind of uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So when I... It with like a, a, a fine tooth comb and say, you know what, this probably is ineffective or this probably needs to be changed. Yes. And that's exactly what I do. And so um, when I, when I get new clients, the first thing that I ask for them to send me are their educational records. I ask for three years worth of IEPs, their, you know, most recent individualized education evaluations, you know, their progress data, you know, from their goals. I, I have to look at the whole child, right? I have to look at everything. And, and I literally will sit and comb through all the documents. I look at all the data and there's so much often that I see from that outside perspective. Right. And so I can come in and say, Hey, you know, this kid is having speech problems and we've been in speech for 15 minutes every day for three years and we're getting nowhere. So what's not working here? Why, you know, what are we doing wrong? Or it might be the opposite. This kid's been in speech 30 minutes, two times a week and has mastered almost everything. What are we, why are we wasting our time here? You know what I'm saying? Like we need to be focused on something else. And so I look at all those things. I look at goals. I, um, you know, what, what are the needs that the child has? Because the deficits are where we create the goals, right? And so we say, okay, what things is this child lacking? What supports do they need? And we go through it and we create a document, an IEP, right? And and so it's um, an individualized education plan for this kid. And we make sure that they are getting everything and, and that they need. Now, hear me when I say need, right? It's not want, uh, you know, we can want all the things in the world, but if it's not suitable for our child, then that's where I have to come in and say, hey, that's not realistic. I have a, a son with an IEP and I know it, it sometimes gets frustrating around the conference table. Yeah. And, you know, there were, there are times I wish, you know, I wish I knew someone who knew the ropes and who could help me through this. Can you tell me in your experience, what is it that most often um, brings a parent or guardian to contacting you and saying, you know, I need a little help. What kind of things do you see? Yeah. Or um, when is it time to call in the, you know, the reserve, the, if you will? Well, I, you know, I wish that we, I think a lot of the times we have this lens that advocates called, get called in when things get bad, right? Or when we're angry or we're upset or whatever. And often that is the case, right? We, we get to the point where we just don't know what else to do, which is where I was, right? I threw my hands up and I said, I can't do this alone anymore. And I knew I needed help, right? I need help because my child needs help and I can't give it to them. And so that was kind of my experience. But I've also had clients who reached out and they're not in that situation, but they've either been there or they know they're moving into a transitional stage. And they're like, you know what? I, I just need, I feel so overwhelmed at the table. Things aren't going bad, but I I get in there and my brain goes fuzzy and I, I feel struggles and I, I get overwhelmed. Um, and I just need somebody to help me through this, you know, or whatever. So it can be for any reason at any time. But often it comes through parents not knowing what to do versus, 
you know, just bringing one in for the, you know, just because like, Hey, I just want another person or somebody. So it's often, you know what? I, I know the school's saying this, but I want someone else's opinion. I do records reviews as well. I have a great family um, that I just finished with. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to bring an advocate to the table because again, we get that whole feeling, this misconception of you bring an advocate, parents are mad, you know, or whatever. And so sometimes they don't want that, but I will sit there and take their documents and I will go through it and I will give them my suggestions. Hey, this is what I see. You take it now and you go into your meeting and do as you wish with that information. Right. And so, um, sometimes that's all parents need. And then sometimes parents are like me who I was like, I can't, I can't, or I don't want to, I don't know. I just, you know, I don't want, I want hands off. I just want you to do it for me. And so I, I offer that full advocacy service as well. So there's a range in there of services that we provide as advocates. It may just be as simple as reviewing an IEP. I wonder if you could tell us how can a parent themselves become a better advocate for their child? Yes. Okay. So I, this is the easiest step and the biggest step that parents can do for themselves. And I kind of mentioned this earlier, every meeting that you walk into for an IEP meeting, or even if it's an initial evaluation or whatever, you can also find this online, right? You can just simply put a, a Google search in and get a copy, but your parent procedural safeguards Okay. And those are your parent rights. And it's big. It's huge. Okay. When you walk into a table, often parents do not realize how much power they actually have just as parents. I don't think that schools do this intentionally. Believe me, I really, really don't. Um, Like I said, I sat on the, the teacher side of the table, right? The the district side as well as the parent side. So I've, I have this triple whammy. Um, I'm an advocate. I was a teacher and I'm a parent, right? So I have this like really big viewpoint um, and, and perspective. So, but often when parents sit down at a table, we feel like we're on one side and they are on the other, right? Like it's us and we're here and we're just here listening to what you have to tell us. But truly parents are equal members of the IEP team. So a parent has as just as much say as the SPED teacher, the gen ed teacher, the district representative, the counselor, the whoever, right? Whoever is part of that team, you are all equal members. But if you don't know your rights, if you don't know that, you sit there almost intimidated, although it is intimidating, even if you do know them sometimes, but you sit there and you don't know. And so a lot of times we, we close our mouths. We just nod our heads or we're told things that aren't true, or we're told, well, we can't do that when in in fact they can, um, they may not do it, you know, but they can do it. There's things, you know, there's so much to it, but the first step I would say is read your procedural safeguards. Read them cover to cover. It's a huge document. Definitely read the papers. Read the papers. And see see yourself at the table, not you against the school, but it should be more of a collaboration. Yes. And I think that's so huge. That is, that's probably the biggest thing aside, you know, as far as reading those documents, the procedural safeguards is know that when you walk up to that table, it should be round, right? We want to think, you know, knights of the round table, like no one is the head of the table. No one has more say than, than another person, right? You are in a committee. 
you are the parent, right? You actually know your child better than any other person at that table. However, I think as parents, we don't realize that we actually sit just as high up as everybody else for parents to find the right advocate. And so you want to find someone who you know, has that compassion, who understands, I mean, you want their knowledge. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to just pick an average Joe off the street and be like, come into this meeting with me. They, they need to have knowledge. They, you know, those, those things, but you also need to jive and you need to find someone who is going to fight for your kiddo, no matter what that means. Right. And, and I don't mean fight as in like, you know, you're going to go in and "Ah, this is what I want, you know, or whatever. But I mean, I mean, advocate when I mean, you know, to go in and have that voice that is going to stand up and say, this is what this child needs because it is what's best for them. This is what this child needs because this is what's going to create them and help them grow. This is what this child needs to be a productive um, citizen, right? In the, in the community, they need to be able to grow up and know they can live an amazing life and, you need to make sure that when you're looking for someone that you find someone with that heart. And, and I, my, my person was that for me, I, she has fought for Addison the the whole way, you know, and it has changed her life. I will tell you the journey for us with her. We went from struggling in preschool. We went, we were struggling. We, we were struggling in, in kindergarten. We asked to repeat kindergarten. We were told no. So we were forced to go to first grade. We had a horrible first grade year and we asked to repeat first grade. It took everything and all that we had to get them to allow her to do that. We still fought over things or whatever. Our advocate changed the course of her trajectory. She was, you know, going to school. We couldn't do spelling. We couldn't read words. We didn't know our alphabet. We couldn't make sounds. We were barely coloring. We, you know, all these things to this year where she has the appropriate supports in place. They are being done at the school level, right? In the classroom. She has a let me say this also, it wasn't that she had bad teachers. Teachers are not the the issue here. It was the support systems in place, the things that we don't know how to do because we're not taught as teachers, right? They may be in a document, but if you don't have the support or the knowledge to do them, then how do you do it, right? And so, but this year she got those supports. They were put into her IEP. They were produced, right? They were actually used the way they were meant to be used and not just written in a document. She has an amazing teacher. Um, I would love to just throw out some props to those two people because she has come home this year with dictation tests, spelling tests. She's doing math. She's learning a calculator, right? That life skill, which I don't know why all kids don't use them because we all have them in our back pocket, (laughs) whatever. That's my math tangent as a teacher. But, you know, she comes home smiling from school. She comes home so excited to pull papers out of her backpack. And she's like, look, mom, look. And she's got a big hundred on her spelling test. You know, it makes a difference. It makes a difference for you to have an IEP in place or the supports in place for your child. I see it in my own child, right? Like I was in tears all the time for three years. Like I didn't leave an IEP table without bawling, right? We would leave and I would just, (laughs) as soon as I walked out of the building, I mean, it was bad. And this year I have left with smiles. I have left 
with joy because she has what she needs. Right. And that's what it's about. It's not about getting more than what she needs. It is about accessing her education the same way her peers do. Right. And that was all I wanted. And now that we have it, she is flourishing and it's amazing. It's amazing what a difference it can make to have someone step in for you and fight that fight. So I think it's important to say, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? Amen, sister. I say that all the time. You don't know what you don't know. Don't know what you don't know. So call in someone who knows, right? Or learn. I mean, and find out, right? Ask questions. Yeah. Make this a team effort. It's not about a fight. No, not teachers against parents, students against teachers. It's let's put the appropriate accommodations in place and let's really try to listen to one another and just figure out what our kiddos need. And that's what I'm hearing from you. And that's what I love. What areas do you serve here? I can serve um, any state in the United States. So, um, which is awesome. I I actually have clients, um, in seven different States right now, all the way out to Arizona. And so I have, I have clients in Arizona, I have clients in Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, Indiana. I mean, like, so I, I have lots of different places that, um, I serve. Here's the thing that's important to know about that is that we have the federal law and the federal law is like the base of your house, right? The concrete slab. You can't go lower than your concrete slab. So if they receive federal funding, which is all the public schools, you know, and that that kind of thing, they have to follow the federal law to like they have to. State laws cannot take away from federal laws. They can only add to. So you, you do sometimes when I have clients in other states, I do obviously um, check in and make sure state regulations don't enhance what the federal law says, but the federal law is the federal law. So if you live in any of the states, um, you know, any of the districts in which the, the United States covers, um, I can advocate for you. What I love about this is that we do a lot of our meetings now virtually. I, I have clients who sometimes still go to the meetings. Sometimes we have just everybody's virtual and everybody's just talking on the computer it you know the internet has has made our world a, a great place especially accessible oh, yes. you know across the world like yeah it's so amazing so I just get on the computer and I do the same thing and I think it's so great because I've built some wonderful relationships with different districts um, I have great relationships with our local districts here you know the sped director you it just you have to know something kind of going back to what you said is you don't you don't want bad relationships. Nobody, nobody works well, right? When everybody's fighting, what we want is cohesiveness and people working together for the betterness of our child. And so it is important to know and to build those relationships. And, and we have great people in the education system. We really do. It's just getting everybody on the same page. Cause you know, there's personalities and we all, you know, we all have our things. So when you bring people to a table, it's important to remember where we all come from. But the biggest thing to remember is that we're there for the child. It doesn't matter. I'm the adult, right? You're the adult. We, we have to be adults for this kid. And so if we just keep that in mind, we're all going to do what's right. So I, it's funny. I have on my list of questions to ask you, tell me why you're so passionate about that. 
about being an advocate, but I don't, I don't think I have to ask you that because it, <laughs> it comes through. I mean, it absolutely 100% comes through. Um, so if a parent wanted to get a hold of you and, and utilize your services, tell our listeners how they can go about doing that. Yeah. So I have a website. Um, it's lamazingspedadvocacy.com. So you can get on there and there's like, um, I list, you know, there's services, there's information there. We're, we're actually um, updating it right now for a resource page for parents, because not only do I want my job to be there to help you, but I, I wanted a place, I want it to become a place where parents can go and find resources for themselves. Like I want to be able to provide you with resources in which you can use to advocate for your child, not just me. This isn't about me. I will tell you straight up. It's not about a job. It's not about money. It is about children. I have a child who I want to have the world. And I found out that other parents need that too. They need somebody to help give that to them. And so I don't care what it, what it is or who it is. Um, I want to help. And so the it's under construction right now. Well, not really construction, but we're adding some, some stuff there. Um, but there's a contact page. You can get on there, fill that information out. It will reach out to me and I will contact you. I do free consults. And so if you just want to contact me, kind of, you know, we talk about your case a little bit, what my services are, how I, how I can help. Um, if I can help, you know, there have been cases where parents have reached out and said, well, this is what's going on. And I'm saying, I'm not your person, right? This is, this is who you need to talk to or, or whatever. So I just try to give you the resources that you need. All that information is there. I have a Facebook page. It's also amazing sped advocacy. I have people that message me on there and you, I have, I post information and things on that page as well. So those are kind of the, the biggest and easiest ways. And I'll just tell you, and it's going to sound crazy. Lamazing. Okay. We talked about it, but it's L E M A Y Z I N G. Um, and so it's my last name with Z I N G. Um, cause sometimes you can say it, but people are like, how do you spell that? <laughs> Well, Brandy, it's been a joy having you on the podcast today. I know a lot of parents are going to get a lot from this episode, and I can't wait to put it out there and for for everybody to just take a listen in in just a few words, what parting advice would you give to be your parents? Yeah, be be your child's voice no matter what you know them best and they need someone to intercede for them. They need that. And so um, we often, I'll say in education, we, 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 we talk about the parents that don't do or don't come or don't call, but we don't talk about the ones that do. And, and it's so, so important for you to stand, stand in there, stand up for them in their shoes, right? Bring that to the table and, and be that person for them. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Brandy. Thank you for having me. This has been such a joy. Um, I've had a blast. So thank you, Lisa. If you like the podcast, remember to follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you really like the podcast, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That helps more people to find us. If you really, really like the podcast, then please tell someone about it, either in person or send them an email or just share the link on social media. Thank you all. Every bit helps and it makes a huge difference for us.
If you'd like a transcript, please send us an email to demandanddisrupt at gmail.com and put transcript in the subject line. Thanks to Steve Moore for helping us out with transcripts. Thanks to Chris Unkin for our theme music. Demand and Disrupt is a publication of the Advocado Press with generous support from the Center for Accessible Living located in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can find links to buy the book, A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, in our show notes. Thanks, everyone. You say you've seen a change in me Just for once I think I would agree Yeah.